Hello and welcome to Running Inside Out Podcast, where we talk about the races we ran in, the races we're not in, and getting outside to see what's going on inside the Rochester running scene. In this episode, Melissa Johnson-White races into the studio to talk about getting back into competing and also relocating and also buying a house and raising kids and all that other fun stuff. Um, and all the while, she's going to be running fast. So uh, a little background. Melissa never ran in high school, but then she walked on to SUNY Geneseo cross-country team. And after her time at Geneseo, she moved to Michigan to run for the Hanson, Hanson's Brooks Distance Project. Um, she is a six-time world team member for the project that's representing 13 marathons, and she just qualified for her fifth Olympic trials. That's 10Ks and marathons. So um, as I mentioned, Melissa is a mom of two kids, has recently moved back to New York, and is finding her way back into competing. So we have a lot to talk about. Um, in addition to our regular steadfast support from our Patreon supporters, this is episode is also being helped out by Athletic Brewing Company, uh, Craft Beers Without Compromise, and a little help from Mort Nace at Medved Running and Walking, and I'll tell you more about them later. With that, let's get into the trails, training, food, friends, and yes, even feelings of runners just like you. <laughs> Hey, Melissa. Hello. Thanks for having me. How's it going? It's going well. Thank yeah. you. Uh-huh. All right. So um, before we started recording, it was going all right for me until you set me on edge and asked me if I was ready for the holidays. <laughs> and I said, no, I'm recording a podcast. No, well, um, is anybody really ready for the holidays? <laughs> <laughs> and even if you're ready, you just never know how it's going to go. It right? does. It sneaks up on me every year. And now having kids, it sneaks up even more because it's a bigger deal because, you know, you got to do the whole Santa thing and you've got the presents. And even though they're young, you, you have to make a production of it it's not just you anymore so yeah I've, I've got basically a little less than a week to really pull things together here <laughs> and well it's kind of when you think of it it is kind of like uh, really high level racing right it is you can you can make a plan all year long and then suddenly race day is here it does. and you're like did I do enough mm-hmm. is it is it going to be okay <laughs> it is, you know a, a lot of things in life are like racing and running and um you really that's what I love about running so much I think is that you can it you know really you can use it in anything and it's like that you know you you get the adrenaline pump in what am I going to do you know you're staying up all night wrapping packages getting the Santa out you know what can I do can I we leave the cookies out we leave this you know how can I make it better and I think every time afterwards you go back and you look and say okay what did I do well and what could I improve on um and luckily I have a just turned three-year-old and an eight-month-year-old so I have a lot of years to improve on so this is the beginning for me I think so I think we can get better and better um but like I said but you still want to go out there with your a game and see what you can bring yeah and you're you're just relocating back to Rochester right so it's been um just about two and a half years now um I grew up in Naples um Mm -hmm. for anyone knows it's a small town and a, a beautiful small town, um, and I love it. And my parents still live in the same house that I grew up in and everything. And we were in Michigan. My husband and I were in Michigan. I was there for about 14 years. He was there about 12 years. And we didn't actually plan on moving back to New York, but we had our daughter. And 
anyone who knows what it's like to be without family understands why you would make that move. So he is from Wisconsin. I am from New York. And we were basically didn't have any family around. And my daughter was born in December. So my parents were there and we got to have Christmas. And then it was four months before I saw my parents again. And it made me kind of sad that, you know, it's one thing. It's hard when you don't get to see your parents that frequently. But especially when you bring grandkids into it, it just didn't seem like I, I couldn't handle it being only four months. So, you know, we kind of got talking a little bit and my husband and I match each other well because he is an impulse guy. Like he gets an idea in his head and boom, he goes for it. I'm the opposite. I will review everything. I will make my to do and not list and the pros and cons. And I'll never make a decision because I, you know, I just keep going back and forth. So he was actually the one that pushed forward, even though it was my family. And he said, I, you know, I really think this is going to help us. Um, it's going to be good for the grandkids. It's going to be good for us. And so I said, okay, I'll, I'll consider it, but you got to find a job before we go because I could continue my job um, in New York too. So he did. He went and he got a job and we he said, okay, well, now we got to sell our house because we actually had a house and everything out there. We'd lived there for five years. So he called a realtor. They came over on Wednesday, um, came over on Thursday again to take pictures, put the pictures up Friday, Saturday, we sold our house. So it was literally that fast. And I, that's the only way I think I could have done it because if it wasn't that fast, I would have kept thinking, is this the right decision? I don't know. We have a really good thing out here. Even though we don't have family, I had some really good friends and people on the team and coaches. So I had a lot going on there, um, but it went so fast. And I was like, wow, we're doing this. I hadn't even told my parents we were selling our house and it basically we're taking <laughs> offers on our house. So thankfully that went quickly. Um, and when that happened, and Keith and Kevin were generous enough to let me continue running on the team moving back to New York. Um, and it has been a great decision. I miss the team aspect of it for sure, because that is a huge benefit out there. Um, and just the camaraderie and having the people every day to run with, but having my parents around is priceless um, right. just for my kids to see them and for the help that I get from them. I mean, they are amazing. There's no way I would have been able to make the comeback that I have in running without their help, because I may be the one that runs the miles out there, but with kids that young, you know that someone has to be either need to push them or someone needs to be watching them. And like I said, my mom is over a couple times a week to help me out. My dad comes over sometimes. So they're very supportive of what I do. And it really is. We talk about that village aspect to, to raise a kid. It, it takes a village to raise a kid. But if you want to do anything on top of that, you've got to build the best village you can. And I'm, I'm lucky that I have so much support with my husband and my family, um, my coaches at Hanson's, my teammates at Hanson's and the Brooks, you know, who has supported me through all of this. So it makes it fun, too, because even though running is a very solitary event, it's really not. I mean, anyone that has had any success or makes it to that starting line knows that there's a whole team behind you. Um, and it's easier to get to that starting line and push when it gets hard when you know that it's not just you that you're running for. Yeah, th there's a lot to unpack there. But I, th <laughs> I think the piece that you sort of mentioned was you have to push those kids. Yes, you know? <laughs> yes. And I have, so. let me tell you, I have an amazing double jogger. So if there's any moms or dads, you know, dads push too. My husband pushes a lot. I have a great double jogger. So it's not as easy as running alone, but I've pushed up to 10 miles in the double jogger. Well, I was going to tell you, <laughs> now's the holiday season and maybe somebody's missing a gift. Yes. You know? <laughs> yes. So yeah, I have the Bob for a single jogger. Oh, um, we, so we have both. And I really liked that. Um, the nice thing about that is the car seat can pop right in there. So it works great as a regular stroller, too. So for all the parents out there, do not buy two strollers. Get the jogging stroller, and you can use it for everything you want, too. For the double, I have the Thule, 
and it is amazing. Um, it's the same one that actually will, it's a bike attachment too. So it looks a little bit different. It kind of looks like a pod, um, but it's awesome. It's really low to the ground, pushes easily. And it's been beneficial because my husband has been injured a little bit more. So he pulls the kids on the bike and they do some workouts with me. So you can kind of get the whole family out there. It was a little easier before it became winter, but it's fun because they get out on the canal path and we all have fun and I get to get a hard workout in. <laughs> We're covering it all. So that's your holiday <laughs> gift buying. Yes. Uh, so yes, for all the new parents out there, I'm telling you, yeah. it will change your life. We had a, um, we had, wasn't a bob, but it, it was a folding collapsible double stroller, but it had a fixed front wheel so you could jog with it, you know, and so that was, that was pretty helpful, but um, kids got a little bit heavy in yeah, it. Yeah. They do. It's funny how quickly they get heavy too. So, mm -hmm. um, and I have two, I have two girls and they're, they're on the smaller side. So I can imagine that yeah. it can get quite heavy. Yeah. But it's still, it's still, like you said, you're packing it all in. Mm -hmm. um, so let's go back because we were just talking about, you were talking about the support back um, on the team. Mm -hmm. And so Hanson's Brooks, what's interesting and unique about that project is, I guess the way that they've announced it is we bought a house. That means we can have a team, <laughs> right? So the team, it's post-collegiate, really, right? Yep. There's no collegiate runners. It's, no, no, all post-collegiate. So it's post-collegiate runners that get to live in a house. Mm -hmm. And you all live in together like real world style. And you wake up in the morning, eat your uh, toast, and then go out for your runs together, right? It is. It was a really good transition for me from college. Um, I ran for Geneseo. And so Keith and Kevin started the men's team in 1999. So they initially just had a men's team. In 2003, Brooks came on. So that's when they became the Hanses Brooks Distance Project. And that's when they were able to bring a women's team on, which is exactly when I was graduating college. So the timing worked out really nicely because I, I'd only run for four years. I loved my time at Geneseo. And all of a sudden, it came to an end. And it, the question was, what's, what's next? I'm not really ready to be done with running. But coming from a D3 program, I also wasn't sure what was out there. Um, so it kind of worked out nicely. I, I had run the Boilermaker, which is a big race in Utica, New York here. And that actually is kind of how they saw my name um, and got me out there. And it's, it's very similar to a college, you know, where you would go and you check out the area and the coaches. And um, we were just starting the women's team, so there weren't as many team members out there. But now you go and see if you it would be a good fit with the team. Um, and it is. For me, it was a great transition because I was only 22 years old. And it was intimidating to just pack everything up and move from New York to Michigan. But I got to move into a house with um, a bunch of awesome ladies and learn from them. And, you know, it was just a really good experience. And it is fun. They have, yeah, they have, I believe, four houses now. They just bought their fourth um, a few months ago. So they have that. And they also have three apartments now. So it's expanded. So initially, I believe it was two men's houses. And then when the women came on, they bought a third house. So it was two men's houses, one women's house. Now they have four houses and three apartments. So it has just grown from there. Yeah, it's blown up. <laughs> Pretty soon they're actually going to need a dorm. Yeah, I know. Like get, get a giant apartment building and just do it. Um, and on top of that, um, kind of as you transition, it was a good transition. You know, I lived in there. Then I met my husband. We ended up getting married. And so we lived in an apartment and then bought our own house. So it's kind of a nice life mm -hmm. transition, too. You start out with roommates, then you have an apartment, then you have your own house and you grow with it, too. Yeah. And all during that time, you're learning to race and, yes. and be competitive. And you're, you're sort of living what 
what everybody thinks professional runners do, right? <laughs> is like eating, sleeping, and breathing running, right? I mean, that's what we all do. Boy, if we had every minute of our life to dedicate to running, we would be that fast too. But did it feel that way? Like, did it feel like you were always immersed in running? Sometimes, but not always. And I think they did a good job of they they preferred for us to have a job. Um, and some of it was in the Hanson's running shop. They have four running stores. So um, I started out in the running shop too. So that's a little bit running too. But it's not, I don't think it's quite what people envision of just laying around all day long and literally running, getting a massage, <laughs> you know, people feeding you grapes and blowing, you know, fanning you off. Um and I think what can be difficult, and I've seen this with other teams too, is when running is 100% of your life and all you think about, it can sometimes be difficult to actually perform at your best. It's nice to sometimes have different things in your life. And I think that was helpful for me too, is once I did you know, move out of the house or have my husband and do other things, and even with kids right now, uh, obviously having kids does not make your life any easier um, with planning and getting all that stuff done. But what it does is it makes running running. And then outside of running, I have the rest of my life. And my kids, if I have a good workout, they don't care. If I have a bad workout, they don't care. They want me to come home and be mom. And so that's a big, that's really nice for me. And I think that actually makes me a better runner because I have outside factors to focus on. Yeah. And that kids thing is interesting because they might not care that you're running, but they know that you're running. And so like your kids grow up and like, are you going to run today, mom? How was your run today? Eventually, you know, they're going to get to that because they'll know it as a part of who you were, you know, mm -hmm. and who you are as mom. Mom runs. Right. And so that's what I think of when you were in college and you had your four years and you're like, am I done running? You're mm -hmm. like, hmm, but I still want to like do this thing. Oh, I can go well, move and live with those people and still be running. Mm -hmm. And that definition of I'm a runner, right? That's always something that's really interesting. Um, but like you said, you can let running be running and you can let life be life and work be work. And it's it's a strange thing because I think runners tend to get a little depressed when they're not running. Oh, very much. Yes. You know? Yeah, we can be a grumpy bunch. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's all, I mean, we're, we're kind of throwing a lot of like ingredients into the soup, but you're living in a house with a bunch of runners. Um, you're all trying to become better runners at the same time that you also have your coaches saying, this is a way for you also to become better people. Mm-hmm. It is. And, there, you know, there's a lot to learn. And I think I think if you ever get to the point where you're done learning, you might as well pack it in, whatever it is, whether it's running or coaching or whatever it is like you. There's always something to be learned. And I think people always assume that you will learn more because somebody's fast. And that's not the case at all. Um, you can learn a lot from someone at the back of the pack or a beginning runner or someone who's doing it for 80 years. You know, there's so much to be learned. So I think you always need to to be open to hearing someone else's advice and that. And one of the biggest benefits I think we got from the group was, okay, you were living in there. And it was sometimes, you know, difficult when you weren't having your day or things weren't going as well as you wanted to. But what you could see is you could see what someone else was doing and when you saw the success come from that, you realized, okay, this is possible. So I think it opened that realm of possibility of what you could do. Um, when you're running alone, you don't always see that. You don't see the end product of what might be there. Because running, 
no matter how good you are, is going to have its ups and downs. And the longer you do it, the more chance you are having your downs. And, and those lows can be low and the highs can be very high. But you see someone else go through that and realize that they can come out better on the other end um, and the success that they can have. And so I think groups build that. And you're seeing that a lot across the U.S. too with the Hansons, you know, where they were one of the original projects that started that. But you're seeing that group environment of getting out there and, okay, she did this. So now I can see that and, you know, just throwing in the trials a little bit right now for 2020, if you've been looking, there are a lot of women qualified. Um, And I think the biggest reason that is, is because women have started to see what's possible. You know, before it was just, okay, you've got to be the super elite to make it to the Olympic trials. You know, you've got to, you've got to move away from home and you've got to be in this group and you've got to do this. But then that started trickling down and someone else saw that, wait, maybe I can do this. And all of a sudden it was... Not so much of, oh, okay, Desi and Shalane, you know, they're someone that would make it to the trials. You say, wait, I know this woman. She lives down the road from me, and she qualified that. So it shows what's possible with hard work. And so I think it's opened the door for a lot of women, you know, and kind of to see you know, how far can they push themselves. Yeah, and um, so Ellie Pell was recently on the podcast, and she qualified with uh, 241. Yes. And that was, for her, a six-minute PR. And that's a big PR, right? Yeah, especially at that, at that point, too. Right. Mm-hmm. You're going from a 247 to 241. And her biggest credit to it was training partners mm-hmm. and running together and being able to sort of push each other, but also have the accountability, but also the all the things, right, that mm-hmm. come with it. And one of the things that I, I, I see a lot is um, you get to see elite runners not on their best day. You get to see them struggle and you get to see them recover. And that's a huge thing, too, to know like, oh, wait a minute. You know, they're having difficulty with this part of life and that part of life and that part of life. And yet they're still doing it. Mm -hmm. So I can do it because I'm having, you know, I think that's a, a big part of it. It's huge. And it is good to see because, you know, a lot with social media, not just with running, with everything, you see the best. You see people's good days and you see the good workouts and you see all these happy pictures and the clean house and all this. And come on, we all know that's not reality. okay? And so it is when you're living that day in and day out, you do get to see that, uh, you know, everyone has their struggles. Um, And that is good to see. And I think what I've learned, too, is I've seen some of the best of the best really struggle in whether a workout or they're having a right rough part of life and man they do a good job of brushing it off getting themselves back up and getting back to work so it's having that mentality of being able to know that you are going to struggle and that is just part of the game and you can still rise up from that yeah and that's it's um i don't know i mean that should be what we do every day right is like ebb and flow ebb and flow and um somebody i i heard somebody say uh um, social media and performances and racing and it's and it's uh, don't compare uh, somebody else's on stage to your backstage, right? That you got to compare backstages to backstages. What are you doing prepping? What are you doing afterwards? And you don't get to see that with social media and everything, right? You mm-hmm. get to see the performance. Exactly. You don't get to see the dirty stuff that goes on before and after the performance. You know, so you can't compare those things. But if you're living in a house and you're hanging out with everybody or you have your run groups and when you're going on running, you're hearing the struggles on your, you know, your group runs and stuff, that group mentality is a big deal. It's a huge deal. Um, And I think what else you can learn from that, too, is 
and this is a, a very good lesson um, that it, it, you, you get it through sports, but I think it's a good lesson to help with everything is someone else's success doesn't take away from yours. And that's a good lesson to learn because it is tough. And the better you get, the bigger the competition is going to get. So, you know, for someone who ran in high school, they might have been the best on the team and then they go to college and they're not the best anymore. And how do they handle that? And the same thing, maybe you were the best in college, but now you're going to go on to pro running after that. And it's finding your way and knowing that, okay, someone else can have a good day, but I can also have a good day. So that is how I think you have to adapt to it too, because you can let it eat you alive. If someone else has done this and you haven't done that yet, it's like, you need to use it in a positive way. And okay, They've done that now. What can I do to get myself better? And the thing I love about running too is that your biggest competitor is really yourself. And that's Always. how it should be, you know, <laughs> and it, it can get mixed in there. And it's hard to not compare yourself, especially in this age of social media. But really, the biggest competitor is yourself. And if you've gone out there and you've given it everything you had for that race, you can walk away satisfied. It may not have been the result you wanted. And you're, you're, it's fair enough to be disappointed with that because that's what continues to drive us. But if you've given everything you had, you have to be satisfied with that performance. Yeah, and that's going to be so that's going to be interesting for you now, right? Um being outside and and having the comeback and tr- going to be trying to gauge yourself today as opposed to Melissa 10 years ago, right? It is, yeah. And so when so let's go to that time you were, as you said, you were one of the, the OGs in the house, right? You're like the first <laughs> one, you're moving in. Um, as you're there and you're on that team, there's people coming in and they're new and then they're going out and they're, you know, they're coming in as new people, they're leaving as veterans and you're still there. Um, what was that time like? Um, and and I know it's it's a long time to talk about, but... Did you feel like the new person um, helping people come in? Or did you feel like the new person when you were getting in? Let's start there. I did very much um, because I was also the youngest that came too. Um, so I was kind of the baby on the team, which now when I look back makes me feel old because I, <laughs> you know these new people are coming in and they're the age I was. I'm like, how? Wait, what happened? Where where did all these years go in there? So that's just kind of a shock. And I actually talked to Keith, Kevin, and Dot you know, when we were at this last race. I'm like, where did the time go? Because it doesn't seem as if I'm that much older, but now I'm seeing the birthdays of the new people that are coming in. I'm like, are you serious? Are you, are you even legal age? You know, it's so it's interesting, but I definitely felt like the baby for a while. Um, and I liked that because I was also, you know, one of the people that had the least amount of running experience. So I had so much to be gained from that and from people coming in. And, um, our first team that was out there was awesome. Like we had a really great group of women and I learned a lot from them because they had more experience than I did. And it was a good good to learn from them and good to have that group because I had come from a D3 school where, you know, I was actually quite competitive when I was racing, but a lot of these women had run D1, so they had a different experience that I had, and it was good to help me go, okay, what you did in college was really good, but now you got to step it up, okay, and that was great, now you got to do more, and so it was good to, to have them to hold me accountable and to push me, and that was what I think helped me become more successful too is you had those women out there to push you every day um and then it was kind of fun as a transition it was it did I went from being the baby to kind of the mom you know all of a sudden I'm in my mid-30s and these new babies are coming in um but I hope that you know I I was welcoming and that I kind of you know helped kind of keep building that team while I was there to to become better and better and that's it's really what you need you need that fresh blood to come in 
because things would be, you know, we'd go a little bit of time without having a new person in, and that'd be fun. And be like, oh, we've got a new person and a new challenge, and see how they're going to fit into a group personality-wise and training and all of that. Um, and it is, I think, you know, with running, you just want to keep it coming. You want to see, you know, you want new women to come in there and challenge. And I would say, you know, Dot and I used to kind of joke because we were, you know, we called ourselves the grandmas on the team. Um, and I think, you know, you'd see, like, these new <laughs> new people coming in. They were, you know, they the track workouts were where they could kind of challenge us again, too. Maybe we could challenge them in the endurance because we had that marathon endurance behind us. So that's what is also great about a team is the strength, the different strengths that people have. So those young women can come in and kick our butt on the track, but then we go out and do a tempo run, and we would shine a little bit more there. So that's the great thing, too, is you can challenge yourselves in different ways mm-hmm. um, and even have different runners. You know, people tend to be better at either the speed or the endurance, um, and so you see that in different workouts. And it is nice to have someone pull you along in certain things and then be like, okay, I've got this one. I got this, guys. Hang on. Yeah, <laughs> and you definitely don't want to be last in the workout, even if it's not your strength, right? It, so it's yes. going to pull you along a it little bit. It does pull you along. And, you know, one thing I liked that um, we did out there is we would um, assign leaders, which was kind of good because when you get a very competitive group, workouts can get crazy. So <laughs> it was smart on that part of being like, okay, you have to lead and everyone has to stay behind so that you didn't just have a bunch of wild packs going out crazy. Um, but it also held you accountable when you were not having a good day because everyone had to stay behind you. So if you couldn't hit the pace, not only were you having a bad workout, but everybody else behind you had a bad workout. So it really, it was a smart move to do that because it kept people controlled, but it also, it gave you a responsibility. So you need to do this because it's not just about you and the workout. It's about getting everyone through at that pace. Oh, that's rough. How did you how did you pick your races when you're on a team like that? Do the coaches help you pick your races? You obviously try you're training all year round, but you're trying to you're trying to peak for certain races. And looking at your race history, you've raced all around the country. So are you picking it based on weather, based on timing, based on just um where you're at in a cycle and then going, oh, this is a great time to race? How does that work? You know, so we try to have probably three or four big goal races um, a year. And a little depended on what we were training for. So my first, I would say my first three years, I really focused on cross country and track. So we have the big races. You got club cross country in December. And then usually late January to beginning of February, you would have U.S. cross. So that was kind of the big races that you wanted to set yourself up for track you've got your stanford your mount sac that kind of stuff so um and then obviously the goal is to make it to usatf nationals um for that so it's planned out a little bit in it you know what your goals are the races are based on that now once you start getting into marathons yeah initially it seemed like there used to be a lot more fall or spring marathons now you could really run a marathon every month but there's some big ones out there. Um, Chicago is always a big one for us. Boston Marathon is obviously a big one. Um, And then the trials is based around that. So you almost back it up to a four-year segment and say, okay, our trials race is the goal race. How are we going to get there with those years in between? And so it's racing. Is it marathons? Um, Is it throwing the speed segment in there? And we did like to switch it up a little bit too, because you can get caught in running marathon after marathon after marathon, especially if you're chasing a time um, or that tends to be where the money is a little bit too. So there's an incentive to go that way. But after a while, you're going to stop improving if you're not working on your other systems. So we would try to switch gears and say, okay, if I'm going to run a fall marathon, then potentially I at least need to do a short speed segment or I'll do a speed segment over the spring, and then perhaps do a fall marathon again. Um, and so we had like we had input and some of it was too. And if you're familiar with like the USATF series, 
there's championships everywhere from the mile to the marathon every year. So those are big incentives too. So does that fall in the plan? You know, maybe the half marathon championships is going to be a good one in the spring and we'll go for that. So, so those are the big races you want to go to because that's where the competition is. Um, so you can get pulled along you can kind of see where you are with other women in that. And as, as part of the training team, do you all have your specialties or you find out, you know, okay, three of us are going to run the 5k, three of us are going to go run this 10K. And do you break? did you break up training plans? How did that work? We did, definitely. So you don't have to be a marathoner. Yeah. Um, it is, people know it more as a marathon team, I think. Um, but you do not have to be a marathoner. So there are, especially right now, and like I said, I think I took three or four years before I ever ran a marathon out there and focused on the shorter stuff. And there are both men and women right now that have not run a marathon out there. So they will go for that speed. They're going to go for the track, you know, where the marathoners right now are gearing up for that February. 29th Olympic trials, the speedsters are getting ready for Stanford and Mount Sac, and they're going to try to qualify for the track trials. So it is. So you do not have to be, and not everyone has to run a marathon and everyone has to run a 5K. Um, so there were different plans. And then once in a while, you would cross paths and, okay, the marathoners are going to come down and do a speed workout so we could join with the track um, or the track crew has to get a tempo run in so they can join with us. It sounds like it was, it was pretty good. Yes, it is. Yeah, it was very good. And it is. There's a lot of moving parts and it sounds crazy, but it worked. You know, it really worked. And like I said, it was fun to gear off the different things and and fun to see other races, too, because, you know, you'd be doing marathon stuff and you're like, oh, now you're you're kind of and you have someone to watch in the 5K and the 10K and you have the people to view and see how they're doing, um, you know, and you have someone to cheer for, which is really fun. Hey, everybody. I want to tell you a little bit about athletic brewing i mentioned that they're sponsoring the podcast this week you know the uh the patreon supporters help really keep the lights on and you know pay for things to help the podcast keep going but there's also sometimes when there's a really good company and a really good product and uh we work together they uh they can help out the show help me uh grow and do things like buy stickers that i can give away This is why I've partnered with Athletic Brewing because I believe in their product and they believe in the podcast and the running community. So all that being said, let me tell you about them. Athletic Brewing uh, produces award-winning craft-brewed non-alcoholic beers. As they say, it's beer without compromise. And they were recently named one of the top 25 beers of 2019. Um, so that's pretty cool. You can find a link to the article um, in the show notes. Additionally, a really cool thing is they've recently partnered up with one of my favorite races, which is Many on the Jenny, and Athletic Brewing will be serving up the beers at Many on the Jenny. So that's pretty cool. We'll have full, full catered beers by Athletic Brewing after your 40-mile ultra on the dam in Letchworth. So, hooray. Now I understand the first reaction is, N.A. beers, never mind. But I'm telling you, these are legit. Um, I've been pushing the run wild to anybody that will listen to me, which is an IPA. Um, They also have golden ale, stouts, and some uh, seasonal beers. So the cool thing is that you can have a couple of these beers the night before your big race and be good to go. Or you can hang out after a trail race or a group run on a weekday, have a couple of these and be clear as clear as you can be. Um, so they're a real option. 
And an extra bonus, they're only 50 to 70 calories per beer. Um, they're a really great company. They donate 2% of all, sa- all sales towards maintaining parks and trails. I'm just saying, you really got to check them out and give them a chance. Um, and a lot of people, you know, I mentioned this in the last episode that they also sponsored. A lot of people are like, oh, where can I get my hands on them? Well, the tricky part here is, yeah, it's a craft beer, but it's also an NA. So it might be in a place that you're not used to looking at your local store. You might have to poke around a different part of the beer section. I know in our Wegmans, it's in the back cooler. Um, so, or just ask for it, you know, be like, hey, this is what I want to get. And uh, you'll be helped out there. So anyways, I want you all to try out Athletic. Um, and if you see me at a race or a run, ask me. I'll probably have one for you. Thanks to Athletic Brewing for supporting the podcast, supporting trail running, and supporting our healthy drinking habits. So thank you, Athletic. Now back to the show. And so just to give people a little bit of context, I want to read off some of these race results that you have just to give, and I'm going to pick ones that kind of stick out to me. And that's why I asked like how you pick your races and stuff. So I'm just going to read a few of these. 2006, first in the Firecracker Mile, 442. That's a pretty fast mile. <laughs> it is. And you know what's funny? I, I really need to race some more miles because I don't have a lot of mile experience. That day went really well. Um, I've probably only raced maybe four miles my entire running career. So I need to get out and race some more miles. But that was a fun one. And it's it's like I said, an off distance because as a marathon, you don't race that many mile races. But it's fun to do that and mix it up. Yeah. And then... Um, uh, first American in the 2006 Boilermaker. I can't imagine that the Boilermaker was on your road to a marathon plan. It wasn't. So that travel to Utica, New York. And I, yeah, I'm trying to remember. That might have been actually my first. I think that we ended with that race. Um, and yeah, so it actually was on there. And then I think a little took a little downtime after that. And I think Chicago was my first marathon after that. I believe it was 2006. Um, but yeah, that was a good, it was funny because I was doing some speed and ran the Boilermaker too. So I ran that mile, obviously July 4th and Boilermaker is usually, you know, within the next two weeks. So I had some good depth going on there. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and so that's, um, and then 2007, 14th in the Boston Marathon and eighth in the Marathon Championship. So, so that's, that's like serious racing, right? And then you got uh, 14th in the Olympic trials in 2008 in a 237. That's pretty speedy too, right? That's well below qualifying, you know. Was that, um, at that time, was that 237 a PR for you? Yes, it was. Um, And it's funny, as you're reading things off, I'm thinking back about the race. I'm like, it should have been faster than that though, because (laughs) I was in better shape than that. And it was the trials. And it's funny because you look back and you go, we talk about what you could have done better. And at that point, I had not figured out the fueling yet. So that was a mistake on my part. And I definitely got caught up in how exciting it was. And I just went for it. So that's what I was going to ask. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's a big deal. Uh-huh. So, and that's the funny. That's the one where Des and I, we were going, there was a good chunk. Through about 20 miles, we were in the top five. Like, we were there. Like, you could see it. And then the reality of the marathon hit. And so, well, 14th place looks good and 237 looks good. 
it should have been better than that. Right. <laughs> but you, that's your first trials, right? Yes, your that was first my first mar- marathon trials, first yes. first marathon trials. Mm-hmm. And you had gone to 10K trials before that. Yup, yup. And I guess, I mean, would you say 10K, you don't have enough time for the wheels to fall off like that, It's right? different. It's different. And people, it's hard to explain the marathon pain until you're there because it's so different. The 10K and 5K hurt. And I hate when I ever hear someone, there's those people that don't think anything below a marathon is a real race. Mm. And I just think they haven't actually raced it because mm. there's a the mile is really painful. The 5K is really painful. It's just different. That's the, your lungs are burning, your quads are burning. It happens quickly, but you go, okay, I've got one more mile to suffer. Hopefully it's under six minutes, you know, maybe even less than 5.30 and it's done. So mentally you can handle that. The marathon, you're kind of out there enjoying life. Things are good until it's not. And then it gets bad really quickly. And your quads hurt. And you're still out there maybe not even breathing that hard. But all of a sudden, you're carrying this elephant on you that you don't know where it came from. And your legs are hard to pick up. And you're looking at your watch. And instead of that, oh, a couple seconds, so like, whoa, there goes a minute. And there's another minute. So it can get very ugly in the marathon. Um, when it goes bad, it goes bad. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's... uh the the when it goes really bad youtube clips are like <laughs> the car wrecks for racers right yes. when you see perfectly good runners and then all of a sudden their legs do weird things that they didn't intend uh-huh. and you're like you know their mind is right you know they know exactly what's happening and there's nothing you can do about it you know and that's like the the car accident i say everybody likes to watch the marathon breakdown videos <laughs> nobody thinks uh, 237 in 14th place is a breakdown, Uh-oh. you know? If you had seen me, you would have seen it was the <laughs> blank stare. I'm pretty sure I was weaving in. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was, it was one of those races where I am proud of it. I don't know how I finished. I was, you know, just keep going, just keep going. And, um, and yeah, and I finished uh, late on the ground after that. It was, you know, I don't think I got up for a while. It was, it was the train wreck because it looks better on paper than it did in person. Right. And that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, it's one of those, you had to be there type things. Yeah. yeah. So, but but that was a big deal, right? Like Olympic trials, marathon. Did you feel like I, I, I'm there? I got this. It was exciting. I think anytime you make the trials, it, you know, as a runner, that that's kind of the, that's our Super Bowl. The Olympic trials are our Super Bowl. If Boston has a Super Bowl. You have to qualify, and then every four years you get to run with the best of the best. You get to see them, um, and you in, in one location and kind of go out there and try to prove it to yourself. And I think that's what we're trying to achieve to do. You want to you want to have these checkpoints along the way that you hit, so that you know we talk about am I a real runner or not. It's like okay, I need to feel like I'm accomplishing something, and and this is a big goal that I had had. Um, and that was my that was my first marathon trials, so that was a big check you know okay i got this done big accomplishment yeah that's huge <laughs> and and we're just getting started here on this <laughs> on this tour of results and and what i like is that um that like i said they're all over the place there's japan and there's brazil and there's california and there's new york and i mean you're you're everywhere traveling the world running that you know and that's really cool and i don't know if everybody realizes how many opportunities there are with running um and that's one thing i'm really thankful for with running is i I had no idea starting as a young kid from naples that went to suny geneseo that i would travel the world because of running and i have i've been to japan china um brazil india 
um, what else did I do? Um, Belgium, uh, all these places for running. So I would have never gone to some of these places and then all across the U.S. So it really is this cool world of running that exists out there. Yeah. Let's see. 2008 World Half Marathon Team Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Yes. So that that's... was fun. That was <laughs> one of my, that's a race that I still remember too, because uh, my teammate Dot McMahon made it too. So we got to go together, which was awesome. It's always cool to have one of your actual teammates be on the world team with you. And I actually was the last person to make it on that team. Uh, so I had the slowest, uh, slowest time coming in or whatever um, at the qualifying race and I finished first for us. So that was fun. So Don <laughs> and I had a really good race. It was hot. Conditions were brutal. And we, you know, we just had this great game plan going in and sometimes things work out when you have a great game plan and sometimes they don't, but it did. And we, we just executed the plan really well. And I think we went one, two, I'm pretty sure we were one, two that day. That's pretty so, cool. Yeah, go and and you went to and you went to Rio. Mm -hmm. Come on. <laughs> yeah, our hotel was beautiful. You looked out, there's this huge waterfall. It was gorgeous. Yep. And you mentioned um US championships. There's a bunch of those on here. I mean, I'm sure if I picked out each of these, there'd be fun little anecdotes. Um but you have a uh thirty three fifteen in Indiana ten K. Yeah. That's that's like fast. Well, yeah, well, that's my, so it's funny and this sh shouldn't be right, but that's my track PR. Yeah. I've actually run faster on the roads, oh. Isn't that, which is silly because <laughs> well. I just, so it just, I should have a faster track PR, which is good. 30 through 15 is good, but it's funny because I've actually run faster on the roads on a hilly course. So just depends on when it comes together, but it was funny. You know, when I picked Indy, it was for a couple different reasons for the marathon and I looked back and it's even better now that I qualified in the Indianapolis Marathon. Indy has been good to me. Um, this 10K was super low key. My 5K PR, though, on the track is also from Indiana. Um, and it was just, I'm like, man, it was just me and Indiana must just have this, you know, good connection. And so I've had some good races there. Well, maybe it's because it's the Midwest. <laughs> you know, it's in between home and Rochester Hills. Yeah. <laughs> and the weather is moderate in the summer, you know. So, yeah, getting to that. What's your favorite temperature to run in? What do you like to run in? You know, I mean, everybody, I think, is around that 40 to 50 degrees mm -hmm. with no wind mm -hmm. is perfect. But let's be realistic. How often does that really happen? I like um, 55 degrees and overcast, mm -hmm. no yeah, sun. <laughs> yes, you know, and, and, and wind is a big one, especially for a long yeah. race. Um, yeah. So that would be perfect. But really, in reality, that doesn't happen very often. And that's one benefit of training, I think, in Rochester Hills and near Rochester, New York, is that we train in everything you could think of possible. It's, it gets hot, it rains, it snows, it's windy. So the one benefit that is, I think we're ready for anything, whatever race day is going to bring you. And obviously it affects everybody, but if you're used to it, you're going to do better. Right. That. And you don't get an option to skip running on bad days because yeah. we get lots of bad days we only pick the good days you would actually never run so um and once you do it you know once you've done it you get out there and realize okay the first mile is really bad maybe the second mile but it actually is pretty enjoyable there's a mm -hmm. probably two or three days a year where you come back and go oh that was yeah. that was rough but most of the time you get out there and it's actually quite enjoyable that's where the company comes in too you know because misery loves companies so if you can get someone else to go out there with you 
even better. Oh, I, I that's my favorite time is <laughs> like bunch of bunch of people putting on all their winter gear and shuffling around the woods together. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah, that's where the accountability comes in too. And you go, well, at least I'm not the only crazy one out here. Other people yeah. are suffering too. So um, it is good to have a group for that. Yeah. So you said that you uh, that Indiana is really good to you, and I'm going through a couple of these other ones and getting into your it, 2008. You had a bunch of firsts, and, and boy, lots lots going on in 2008 and 2009. 2008 and 2009 were good years for me. Yeah, but I want to talk about. Uh, it seems like while Indiana might be good to you, Walt Disney World might be a little bit better. <laughs> so I've I've run one Disney half marathon two years ago. You have three first place Walt Disney halves, 2006, 2007, and 2013. Okay, there's about 70 billion people that run (laughs) a Walt Disney marathon. What is it like to be at that front of that line and sort of look behind you and see the entire world chasing you? It's really cool, and um, and Disney does a great job, you know, with obviously, you know, they're the happiest place in the world um, with the race. And it's interesting, and I don't know if yours was like this, it starts at 5.30 in the morning, yeah. so it's dark, but they have fireworks that go off, um, and it's really cool, and you're going through, and there's lights flashing, and the lights on the castles and everything like that, but it is cool to finish um Oh, they have the characters come out. So it's funny. I have some good pictures when I'm finishing and like Donald Duck is on one side and Mickey's on the other cheering and confetti goes. So that's always been one of my favorite races. It's a fun time. It was always good for us because we did the one in January. So you get out of Michigan in January. You know, weather usually was a little bit warmer. Get a good half marathon in and get to celebrate at Disney World afterwards. Jeez. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I um, because I run trails all the time and I run weird things like 25K Muddy Sneaker or 100K Twisted Branch. And I didn't have a qualifying time for my half marathon. Oh, so I didn't because it's a radio button. So I couldn't say like. Hey, you know, Muddy Sneaker, I I ran pretty fast <laughs> at that 25. That's not one of the choices. Okay. So I started in like Corral Double Z. <laughs> so I got to see 16 fireworks displays. <laughs> Which was probably good to about 12. Yeah. And then you thought, okay, I'm ready to yeah. go now. I actually crossed the start line as the sun was coming up. It wasn't dark <laughs> anymore. <laughs> So, you know, it was a little bit different for me, and I certainly wasn't the one in front. But I just, when I was looking through this, and I said, three times she's won that damn half marathon. <laughs> she's got to have a thing for Disney, huh? Uh, so it was fun, yeah. So see, you got to go back now. You get get a faster time so you can start up a little bit further. And, and not, well, I got to see 15 fireworks. That's true, course. that's true. So there's <laughs> a couple different ways to look at it. Oh, huh? uh, it, was, it was painful. I wouldn't do that again. <laughs> Wow. So, but you have two really big results that kind of stand out to me in 2009, 2011, and that's the Chicago Marathon in, in 2009, eighth overall, second American, 232. And that's crazy to me to think <laughs> about that, like to to have you go, well, it was just, it wasn't so long that I took a little while to figure out the marathon. And then you're racing and you're this eighth in a world major what's that did how do you 
how do you put that sort of in your list of things on your on your running career? Do you put that as like a yes or a, do you still put that as a dang could have uh, been better? Yeah, well, I think I mean both. I think anytime you have a race, like I said, yeah, those actually were both very good races for me. Um, like you said, I'd figured things out a little bit more. I figured out my nutrition, which was huge. And the marathon is still hard, whether it's good or bad. But if you've paced smarter and you're getting the nutrition in, you are still racing at the end of that race. And so both of those, I was still racing at the end, which was, it's a good, that's what you want to do. You want to go into the race and feel like you've given it all, but also that you're, you're racing at the end because there were, you know, a couple prior marathons where I was not racing at the end. I was, I was just suffering to the finish line <laughs> and just trying to get there. Um, right. And that was exciting. Yeah. And I mean, like I said, now I look back and I go, you're always okay. So I hit 232.55 and 232.37, but what I really want is to go sub 232. So there's always Absolutely. that little bit more out there. So while I was really proud of those results um, and would love to get back there, I think still, even part of me now is still is like, okay, there was unfinished business. There was still, you always want more. And I think you're going to think that no, if I had run 230, I would have wanted to run 229, yep. you know, 228, 227. So um, I think that's what, what keeps me motivated is I always want to see what I can do. Like, okay, I'm excited about what I've accomplished, but I, can I do better? Is there more? Um, and even now, um, you know, I'm 38 years old. I'll be 39 in April. I have two kids. So life is a little bit different now, but I run because it challenges me. It's one of the biggest things in my life that I can still say, okay, how can I challenge myself and what goals can I set and work hard towards? Um, and it's hard to get that out of anything else. If you're a runner and you enjoy running, there's not much else that will compare to that. Right. And, you know, I whatever I bring up, um, whenever we bring up these 38s, 39s type of years, I just, my my thing is always to go, well, Meb set a PR in one Boston when he was 40. Exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. And I don't like to say, I like to say it just to show out there like, I, I've heard so many people say, oh, I'm 30. Oh, right. they act like life is over. Oh, my gosh. 30. I hadn't even run these races yet. And, you know, I think it was 32 when I set my PR. So I hadn't even done this race um, and how much life has changed. And I'm like, no, you are not done at 30. Okay. That is, there's a lot more to accomplish. Um, And so I don't want to put it in that aspect of, oh, I'm 38. You know, life is over. There's nothing left. I want to put it out there as, okay, I'm 38. Let's see what I can do. You know, and I maybe have to change my training a little bit because recovery takes longer, but I still think I'm able to work really hard. Um, And so I still think there's more left out there. I think, you know, I think that realistically I can get back into the 230s. Will it be 232? I'm not sure, but there's a chance that I could. Mm -hmm. And and still 245 is going to get you racing with the best, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So that's that's maybe how you get back into those 230s, right? It is. It is. And I think you have to be realistic about training. And that's what I did coming into this. So I had, you know, kind of to like go back a little bit. In 2016, um, I ran the trials in February, LA trials 2016. We knew we wanted to start a Oof. family. Yeah. <laughs> Although, see, now that's a race I feel really good about. Yeah. Um, oh, I just, <laughs> I, I only know watching it. I was going to say, it was a brutal and, race to watch. Yeah. But that's where you learn. And that's a perfect example of learning from your bad races. In 2015, I ran the actual LA marathon, kind of getting ready. Okay. Same time frame. going to practice training through the winter, um, going out. It was, you know, early March, um, just practice all of that and prepare for the next year. Well, it was hot. 2015 LA marathon was hot and it was probably the ugliest marathon I've ever had. <laughs> I finished, but it was ugly. Um, 
and I just, I, I kid you not, at halfway, I did not think there was any way I was going to make it to the finish. Mm. I was such a long race, but I did. Um, I made it. And I learned from that. I learned if it's 80 degrees for the marathon, do not go out at the same pace you've been training for. It's just, it's not going to happen. You're setting yourself up to fail. So fast forward to a year later, we have the trials in February. Everyone said it was going to be cooler. It's not. It's even hotter. And the race for the trial started at noon. So not only is it hot, it's the middle of the day. I don't know why it started at noon. <laughs> For TV, you know, know which I get. And of course, we're on, you know, California time. Um, so it's hot and it's not going to get any cooler. And the sun is just blaring out there. Um, but I threw time goals out, you know, before we even started the race. I was like, time time is off the, you know, the page. I'm not even going to worry about it. I'm going to go by effort. That was one of the biggest races where I barely even looked at my watch. Just went by effort. Um, and I was finishing, I think it was 15th there, ran 2.39, so one of my faster times, and I was still racing at the end. Like, I was still, that last lap, I passed a lot of carnage. Um, it got ugly out there for a lot of people. So that was a race I feel really proud of because I had learned from my past experiences to go out. And it can be hard for any runner to say, gosh, I've been training at this pace, and it's the Olympic trials, and I want to be, you know, I want this time. I want to see that time on paper. But you also have to say, yeah, it's probably not going to happen. And if you try to go for that time, you're going to end up even slower than you want it to be. So um, so I felt really good about that, um, which was a good place to be in because I knew I wanted to start a family after that. And it's hard to leave on a bad race. So if I'd had a bad race, I might have said, oh, I don't know. Um, so I had my daughter in December 2016. And then I'm not going to lie, I I struggled a little bit coming back. And part of that was because I had to find a new way to make it happen. Um, I had been so, you know, lucky really that I had that team every day that I didn't have to think about getting out of bed. I had, you know, we meet at this time every day and we do that. And it was just, you know, it's just something I did. It was part of my day. And then I went on and did the rest of it. And once I had a baby, life looked a lot different. Um, you know, and I wasn't always able to meet at that time. Sometimes I didn't sleep. Lots of times I didn't sleep. Um, so I ended up doing a lot of stuff in the afternoon and it sounds kind of silly, but I wasn't used to that. And so getting myself out the door after taking care of a kid all day or working all day was a chore. Um, and it was, of course, January and February when I was trying to get back in shape. So it's dark out. And, you know, I was like, my motivation was a little bit lower. And I was just trying to, I was struggling because you're out of shape and you're trying to get back into it. And what really helped me was once I realized that I could be successful no matter what time of the day I did a workout, all of a sudden they opened the door. And it's a silly thing to think. But it really happened. I had to have a couple good workouts at noon in the middle of the day and a couple good ones at 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock at night. And I realized I could do it. And so that kind of jump-started me back in. And I was like, okay, this is this is your new normal. And so you have how to do take you get out the door? How do you get out? How do you – because that's the part, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> the, the once you're once you're running, you we all say, well, once I was running, mm-hmm. it was fine. But how do you – how do you get out the door? How do you take the baby and put them down and make sure that they're going to be alive while you're gone? <laughs> and then, like, get yourself out the door and turn your mind. And what what kind of tricks or techniques did you get in order to have that good workout? It is. It is. There's a lot of moving parts going in there. And if if someone's not a parent, they don't realize how tough parents really are. I knew it before I was a parent, but once I became one, I, I, you know, I really praise parents. It's you, you have to make it happen. There's not, oh, 
maybe I'll get a run in later. Maybe I'll do this. It doesn't matter what it is. If you don't make it happen, it's not going to happen. So part of that was just me realizing, okay, I need to say I'm going to do this and I need to follow through. Now, with having two kids, it's actually a little easier to get out the door because running has now become my stress relief, my time to myself, my time to challenge myself. Um, And part of moving back was so that we could have family help out with that. And so my husband and I kind of switch gears a little bit. He'll work, and then he comes back and takes care of the kids. And then during the day, I take the kids, and then I work and run. And so we have that. It's very nice that it's that equal relationship, and we trade off. And it does, you need, I think as a parent, you need to make sure you have something. And for me, obviously, that's running. So if running's not your thing, don't do it. You know, do something mm-hmm. that you enjoy. So if it's sport or if it's going to a book club, every parent needs to have that something that gets them out of the door. Because I always thought that running made me a better person. But I 100% believe that running makes me a better mom because I love those little ladies so much. But they can, you know, they can, they can, you know, take you up and get your stress high. And, you know, you've had a tough day of breakdowns and crying and dirty diapers. And you go, you know what? Yeah, that run out in the snow in 12 degrees is not going to be that difficult. So, <laughs> you know, I really, I always try to, you know, like, break things off. And it, it's hard because things roll over. They just do. That's the way life works. But when I work, I try to be focused on my work. When I'm running, I try to be all in on my running. And when I come home, I try to be all in as mom. So while it doesn't always work perfectly, that's kind of how I attack things. And I try to make them different. And, um, and I would just agree that you have to have your thing. You know, being a parent is a 24-7 job. And then on top of that, we all have to find a way to keep a roof over our head and that kind of thing. But you need to have one thing that is is for you. Um, and I think that will make you and actually a better, you know, whether it's a better parent, it will, it will make you a better person too. Yeah. And I, and I think we all like, I think we all believe that on its, on its face, but I think this, uh, especially you brought up like December, the sun goes down at, I don't know, 9am around here right now. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, you know, the sun's like, hi, I'm not up for this yeah. today. <laughs> Um, so if you're running after work, you're running in the dark. And if you're a road runner, you're running in slushy headlight filled roads, or maybe you're getting a gym membership and you're hitting a treadmill or you can stay home and you can like get a little extra done with the kids and you can (laughs) easily kind of be like, you know what? I'll just, you know, I'll just, uh, so, but you got to find a way to like unstick that Velcro and get yourself out. And do you think that's, um, do you think that is maybe easier because you have defined it so much as part of your life? Like you are still aiming for very serious goals. You are still really competing at this point. It's not optional for you in a way, as opposed to somebody that's like, well, I like to run, you know, and I want to get out and run. Or are you struggling sort of with that a little bit because you're getting back into it? You know, a little both. And I think um, I think it is just something you with everything. You have to kind of make it happen. Um, and it's knowing that, that if I – it's so easy to make excuses that if you start making excuses, one day turns into two days, turns into a week, turns into a month, and then all of a sudden you realize – you haven't done anything. And, and that can happen with anything. It can happen with running. It can happen with work, um, anything you're trying to get done. So um, for me, it's like, okay, you know, is it's having those goals still. 
on the paper. And I don't think it has to be for everyone. It doesn't have to be the Olympic trials. That's obviously a, a big you know goal on the paper. But I also think it's important for my husband. He's a runner, too. Um, and so we make time for him to get out. So I think it's kind of figuring out what is important to you and how are you going to make that happen? Um, and like I said, for me, it is funny because being pregnant, actually, I was my biggest fear when I was pregnant was that if you took that carrot away, that big race that was dangling out in front, those time goals, would I actually still run? And I was afraid that I wouldn't. I was afraid that maybe I would just gotten caught up in this running thing and I'd done it for so long that I was afraid to stop. And so I was really worried that if you took that away, I wouldn't run. Um, and ironically, having two kids and running during my pregnancies is what actually made me realize how much I do love running. And it's a huge part of my life. And so when I was out there and I didn't have any big races on there, I got to enjoy it just for the pure fact of running. And I ran all last winter and I went out and I enjoyed the Christmas lights. And I was trying to stay around home because... I was pregnant and I didn't want to be that idiot that was, you know, four miles away from home that had a call for someone to come get me. So I realized that you can run eight miles by staying within a mile perimeter of your house. It's possible to do that. So even in the worst weather, you can make it happen. So there were a little tricks that I found. So this year now I'm going out and I'm not 20, 22 weeks pregnant. And I go, oh, here's the Christmas lights that I ran by last year. And here's this loop that I did last year in the bad weather. So it was funny because actually stepping away from the competition is what got me remotivated again and made me really realize that, oh, thankfully I do love running. And I I think that helps now because, you know, when I was younger, maybe I, I was always trying to prove to myself that I was good enough. I was proving that if I place this high or if I run this time, this I can I can keep doing it. I'll keep doing it. And now... Not that I don't feel like there's something to prove, but I feel like now I just want to go out and challenge myself. I don't have to prove it to anyone else. I want to do it because I love it and because it does still challenge me. And I do have big goals out there, and I think people should continue to have big goals. And that's why running is great, too. We talk about the individuality. It doesn't have to be the Olympic trials. It can be your local 5K. It can be the trail race. It can be a new ultra distance that you're going to do. Is Keep putting those goals on there and keep challenging yourself. And like I said, if running is not your thing, find something out. There's enough out there now that find your thing that can make you happy. Yeah. Chances are anybody listening to this podcast <laughs> running start thing. They should be a runner. Yeah. And there's well, so much out there. I mean, with... there are some there are some people that aren't runners uh-huh. that do listen to this podcast and I mean and they say it's exactly that reason because runners tend to be just motivated people that find ways to break down barriers, mm-hmm. you know. So it is. And as a coach, I'll see it too. You know, that the people I coach are a huge inspiration to me because these are not people that are living in a house, eating grapes and getting fanned on daily. They have three kids and they have a job that they travel internationally and they work crazy hours. And they're, you know, it's just all these moving pieces and the people that want to get it done, make it happen. You know, so a lot of times if, if I am feeling a little lack of motivation and it's kind of crummy weather and I don't feel like going out, then I look at my coaching thing. I'm like, well, this person went out, you know, so they didn't make excuses. So how can I make excuses? Because I can't I can't be trying to be inspirational, motivational to people if I'm not going out there and doing what I exactly what I'm saying. So while you can talk the talk, you really need to walk the walk, too. Right. And I and you're pretty good at this because the next place I was going to go was your coaching. Um, you've you've talked a lot about, you know, you were able to transfer your job from Rochester Hills to here and mm-hmm. um, working with Brooks. And um, just in general, you have 
um, a lot of experience. You have the experience of not knowing what the heck you're doing, <laughs> being around a lot of experienced people, growing into the experienced person as you learn, and just big races, big preparation, lots of transitions, lots of learning. Um, you've turned that into a coaching career. Mm-hmm. And I love it. Um, I, I feel really lucky. I work for Luke Humphrey Coaching Services. Um, and I had actually coached at Geneseo right when I was done with college. So, you know, I love the college atmosphere. And there's a, there's a really cool team dynamic with having that where you're going to do cross country and indoor and outdoor. Um, what I love about what I do is I coach adults too. So it's all, you know, adults. Um, and I love that. But it's different. I coach people that are trying to run 240s and under. And I coach people that are trying to run five-hour marathons and anywhere from 5K to 10K. So it's all these different goals going on exactly like we said and and how do we make the pieces fit because they've got three kids or they've got a crazy job that's demanding or they need to travel and do this and so it's always challenging me to figure out how can we set them up to be successful you know how can I use my experience and what I've done um, to set them up and and having kids now I think is even giving me a, a broader spectrum of okay this is what you really are being challenged with day in and day out you know like how can we make this happen and how can I motivate them um, to go for their goals and have that um, and I like it because it's so it's online coaching and do a lot by computer and phone and when I first started I really didn't know what to expect I thought I love the college aspect but if I still want to run I don't have the time to be traveling every weekend and doing that kind of stuff if I still want to be competitive so this was a good option to get started with and I love it and um you I just can't it's it's amazing the connections that you will have with people just being just that running you know I really feel like we are very close and I get to be a part of their journey and I never take that for granted I'm very happy that I get to be a part of that and it becomes more than just running you you really do become a part of their life because for most people running is a big part of our life you know it's a huge part of my life and it's a huge part of their life too and you're helping them go after their goals and that's really rewarding you know obviously we all have our own goals but at this point I'll be honest I think about my the people I coach I think about their running way more than I think about my running and that's fun it's like okay I can focus on your running and not overthink what I'm doing yeah do you think that's because those are new and fun interesting puzzles it is, but I've actually coached some people for six, seven years. So I've had people that we've been working oh, wow. with for a long time. Um, and it is, it's fun because then it's, you get the, you get, the picture keeps getting bigger and bigger. So you get to see someone go through a rough patch. Um, if you're just coaching for a segment, that's fun too, but you don't get to see all the things that can happen with life and injuries and all that stuff. So when I coach someone long-term, you get to see those highs and those lows and you get to be a part of it. And it is really rewarding to see someone come out of a low and then have a good race or have a breakthrough. Um, it's really fun to ha see someone have that breakthrough and, and kind of have them enjoy it. Um, and the Boston qualifier is a big thing for a lot of people, you know, so getting them to Boston and, and seeing that and seeing them, you know, and like I said, it motivates me. Um, one thing that helps with kids too is I can't overthink my own training. You know, I'm busy with life, having kids and coaching other people that I can't overthink my training. And that's actually a benefit. Right. That's just good for you to just, <laughs> I got to get out for six miles today. I'm just going to go. That's why I think, and you know, I don't know if you feel this way with kids too, is like you have a limited amount of time, you know, before you had kids, I think you, or, you know, whether someone has a demanding job or whatnot, you go, yeah, I'll do it later, you know, or I'll fit it in at this time. Well, you know what? I might have, I have an hour and a half chunk at this time. And that is all. If I miss that, there's no going back later. This is my time. So that helps me get out the door too. It's either I do it or I don't. And if I don't do it, 
I'm going to think about it all day long about how I should have gone out. So I might as well just get out the door and do it. Yeah. And that's, that's why I was asking about that. How do you release that Velcro? Cause right now, like I get home at five 30 and it's like, well, uh, my kids are at the age where they, they still like me, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like they're nine. So they actually like to hang out with me, <laughs> which means if I get home at five 30, and I get changed and I go out for a run from six. Well, I'm running after I'm running during dinner and then I get home at seven, seven thirty, maybe. Um, they're getting ready for bed. So like that day is gone. So okay, well I'll I'll stay and I'll do the dinner and then well I'll run after dinner. Whoever runs <laughs> after dinner, right? <laughs> it's like that's a terrible idea. Why don't you get up early in the morning? Well, I don't get up early in the morning. And so, <laughs> like, it's this weird balancing act where um, I'm I'm trying to be the on dad because I don't want to be the absent dad. Mm-mm. So I'm like, well, you know what? I'm going to choose to be the on dad today and, and get it done, get some dadding done. <laughs> and then it's like, well, I got that treadmill, I guess. <laughs> I could do that for a little while. That's right there. Okay, that's what I'll do. So I'll have 45 minutes on the treadmill. And and that's cool because you're getting something done. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's I think what a lot of people are going through, especially if you're a legit nine to fiver. Okay, well, get up and run in the morning. Well, what does that mean for me? <laughs> you know? So it, it's, it's, but that's, I think you overcome that by being around runners. You overcome that being a seeing, like you said, seeing people make the sacrifices, do the things, and ultimately having to get it done. And if you're around those enough, it's not an obstacle. It's just the thing you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? and that it's a perfect. You described it perfectly. Is yeah, you parenting. You want to be a non parent, and that's what I think with running now too. Is I am not going to sacrifice anything that my kids want to do or need for my running. So I have to get creative. So how am I going to fit it in? And that is, it's it's a challenge. And that's what I struggled with initially is how do I fit this in? Because it used to be so easy. It was just what I did. And then I went on to do everything else. But yeah, you want to be on there and with kids my age too is they really do need me. You know, it's, yeah, I can't yeah, say, yeah. hey, I'm going to be back in about an hour. Can you just try not to kill yourself <laughs> or set the house on fire? I can't. So it is. And, um, you know, you get creative. Um, and I'm, I'm that mom that comes. I'm always dressed in running clothes pretty much. Hopefully I'm not too stinky. <laughs> but, for example, so today on Tuesdays and Thursdays, my daughter has – my oldest has preschool for an hour and a half. So I walk her into preschool in my running clothes. I go run. And then I pick her back up. So I take advantage of that oh, chunk of time. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, um, creative. Yeah. The library, I can – the library is – Four and, uh, no, three and a half miles from my house, but it's past the Erie Canal Pass, so I can run on there. So if we have a library class going on and someone else can drive them there, I will run there and I will meet them there. Or <laughs> I'll go to the library class and I'll run home from there. So you do have to be creative, and it is probably people probably think I'm crazy getting it, but that's how I get it in is, like, if you can run somewhere, do it, um, you know, and take it. And like I said, and 90% of the time when I have to run is not going to be the first choice I would have picked to run, but – that's where I learned that it doesn't have to be the first choice. It, you know, it can be successful. And, you know, if it's the middle of the day and I've just eaten a pizza, but somebody comes over and they're going to watch the kids, I'm like, see you later. I, you know, I will go out and you just, you just make it happen. And so you realize that, okay, there, there are these chunks of time that you can fit in. And when you go back, I always think, and even before I had kids, I always think, oh, when I take downtime, I'm going to, I'm going to get so much accomplished. I'm going to get this done. I have this whole list and I never do. And the same thing just happened. I ran the Indianapolis marathon and took some downtime. 
and I didn't accomplish anything more than I would have. So even though it seems as if running is going to take a big chunk out of your day, it actually makes me plan better. I have to, you know, I have to fit this in around there and do this. And it just, it actually makes me more successful. And I, I tend to do better when I'm busy. It's when I'm not busy that you always think there's more time for something and it's it ends when, up not getting done. It's when you get to ruminate on all, all those decisions <laughs> yeah. that you m- could make. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I always remind myself too, is like, cause sometimes I do think, oh, this, you know, especially running a lot of mileage, that takes time. But then I come back refreshed, actually, most of the time and ready to go and I'm ready to play and do and I can be a mom. I can be a good mom after that. I've gotten my stress off. Um, and yeah, if I don't run, I don't it, I don't know where the time goes, but I haven't found it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know where it goes either, <laughs> honestly. So you mentioned that mileage thing, and that's a big deal when you're competitive marathon training. You want to hit certain mileage goals. Are you doing that now or are you just trying to get back into your rhythm and trying to get back into your running? I was really happy with how my segment went. Um, and so between kids, I managed to get back to 50 to 60 miles a week, which is good. It's not bad, but I didn't feel that that was enough for me to give the trials a go. And then baby two came on the way. So, you know, kind of backed things off training a little bit. And this time it just seemed to, to bounce back quicker. And some of that was... I was more motivated. You know, I'd had a break from running. Now I had my second break from running. Even though I ran, it wasn't as competitive. So the motivation was really there. Um, and obviously time was running out. I had a small period of time where it was either going to happen or not going to happen. Um, so, you know, I kind of got into running and it's, you know, anyone knows coming off of a break, it's ugly. <laughs> I think I was running 10 minute pace. You know, I just, that's the good and the better of the garments. I could look down and I was like, Wow wow, is that it? <laughs> That's all I'm doing? Because just to put it in perspective, I needed to run 26.2 miles faster than 618 pace. Yeah. So I was running four miles at 10 minute pace. Um, yeah. So it was going to be a big jump from where I was. But I just kept going out there and saying, okay, just go out and see what you can do and see how you feel. And I did eight weeks of just, just running. And I got myself up to about, it was between 40 and 50 miles a week. And the, you know, 4th of July firecracker four mile is right in Fairport, New York. So I thought, ah, why not? Like, let's just go see. Let's go see where I am. Haven't done any workouts, but you got to pull the bandaid off sometime. And it's literally two miles from my house. Might as well do it. So I did. And I went in with a game plan that I was going to try to hit 630 pace, which seemed a little crazy. But I said, let's just see if I can do it. Um, And I ended up running 630 pace for the first three miles and then let loose on the last mile and finished in 620 pace overall. So it gave me a little boost. I said, maybe, maybe we're getting there. And then I actually ran the mile that the Rochester Running Company put on, mm-hmm. which, you know, again, not my distance, but I thought this is perfect. This is, I don't have a lot to compare to because I don't run the mile often. And um, it was so much fun. And I actually ran 506. And I thought, huh, you know what? Maybe, maybe there is a small chance that things are going to come around. So it was after that race, I reached out to Keith and Kevin and said, I know this is kind of crazy, but can I talk to you guys? I have mm-hmm. an idea. And um, basically how I phrased it is, you know, I want to give this a shot because I, if I get injured or if I fail miserably or I'm walking that last 10K in, I'm okay. If I fail, I am okay with that. But if I don't try, I'm always going to wonder what if. So they said, okay, so let's go for it. And, um, but basically it was at that point I was 50 to 60 miles a week and they said, let's try to get to 90. And which was funny because I haven't run that kind of mileage since 2016 and I did. I made it. I got eight. I got six weeks in the 80s and four weeks in the 90s. Um, 
And so I kind of felt like I was get I felt like I was getting back again and that was really fun too. And it was I did take a chance because that's some high mileage, but it was fun to to actually be out there and doing that high mileage again and feeling strong and being able to recover from it. Um and that was really exciting. Like I said, it's not not the highest mileage I've ever done. Um, but it was a really good place to be in from where my last, you know, three, four years had been. Yeah. And that's, it's interesting the way that you are sort of taking it as like, Hey, I'm seeing some improvement. Um, and I'm the type of person that sets goals. (laughs) So let's put a goal way out there (laughs) because I'm seeing a little bit of improvement. Uh Um, and it is, and so you you said, okay, I want to go for the trials. Is that so? The Oak Tree Half Marathon, yeah, right. So, um, so that's September f- September first. Yeah, it's right. I think it was the first right? this year. So September first, um, you ran a one twenty, right? A one twenty course record, won the race. Um, that's pretty fast pace for a half marathon for somebody who's just getting her legs back under <laughs> that, that was a good it was funny because going into that I was I was nervous because I didn't have a lot of workouts under my belt um but so the year before actually I had signed up for that race before I was pregnant because I was going to use it as a, you know a good checkpoint in every you know they were kind of blasting out oh you know Melissa and Tim are gonna go for course records and in my head I'm thinking you know as we're getting close to the race I'm thinking I'm going to be seven weeks pregnant. I, I'm not going for the course record, but I'm also not going to tell anyone that I'm pregnant. And the weather was so hot. It was really hot and humid. So I kind of laid back. I actually ended up winning that race too, but I, I laid back and I think I missed the course record by a minute or so. I think everyone was probably thinking, what what was Melissa doing? You know, what was she doing out there? So this <laughs> year- like, I'm growing I, a human. I, yeah, and I was like, funny, later <laughs> on, I ran new. But um, so this year I almost felt as if, okay, now- now here's my chance. Like, let's see if I can do it. And I think it was 622 pace was going to be the course record around like a 123, 124. And so I started out at that and uh, was actually in third place for a while until we got to the hills. And then I slowly started creeping my way up. And um, it was the first time I'd say where I felt like, okay, I I think I can go for this. So I just I just kept going. And I, I didn't even know exactly what pace I was on, but I was pretty confident that we were under the course record. And when I finished that in that time I thought okay I can potentially put two of these together in right. a couple months and that and that I was going <laughs> to ask is that where you th- you felt like okay we're we're in the right place here I mean cuz that's a that's a 6 minute pace mm-hmm. 6 609 I think six, it, even yeah, up to 6:10 something yeah. like that so that's pretty good and so you felt like yeah you know let's let's do that it was a good confidence booster And it was good that I could, I didn't feel that I had gone all out in that race, which was also a a good feeling to have. And I recovered quickly from that. So that was another good thing is, so I I felt that things were going in the right direction, um, that I had a chance. And uh, the training segment was interesting because I didn't, I didn't have enough time to actually race all out. I did a lot of local races as workouts, uh, you know, and never went a hundred percent because I was saving that for Indians. This is where I've got all my eggs in one basket. I'm going for it here. So it was I felt that I had given myself a good shot to go for the trials qualifier, but I honestly wasn't exactly sure what 
you know, shape I was in, because, you know, a lot of the other marathons, I go, okay, I've done this half marathon, I've done this 5k, I think I'm right in this 232 to 234 range. So I was hoping that I had gotten myself into around 230 or 242 to 245 shape, somewhere around there. And then it was just going to depend on how race day went. So you said Indy. So that's where you ran your qualifier. Yeah, so I did the Indy, the monumental Indianapolis Marathon. So first time there, I would definitely recommend it. Yeah. Well, it's Indy. It's Indianapolis. (laughs) (laughs) So you'd recommend any race there. The local beer run, you know. Uh, So now you're a veteran of these things now. You're five-time Olympic trials. Like, is it a big deal still? It was in this almost might have been the most important one to me, which is kind of funny because you say, yeah, you've done marathons, you've been here before, but this was the most unknown. And this was the most, my training looked different these four years than it had ever looked in any Mm -hmm. of the other trials. You know, it was much different. I had two kids. Um, I had kind of stepped away from the, you know, traveling a lot around and doing the competition. So it was, was, like I said, it was more of that challenge. Can I do it? Can Can I have stepped away a little bit, had two kids, can I get myself in good enough shape to do it? And I think I was more nervous at this race because when you're in 232 shape, you can have a really bad race and still qualify. When you're in just under 245 shape and you have a bad race, it's gone. And that's how I looked at this race. I was either sub 245 or I wasn't. So that's, that's, I was all in. It could have been 80 degrees. It could have been 20 degrees. You know, when it was, I was all in, I was going for it because there was no, there was no adjusting the game plan on this one because if I didn't run sub 245, who cares if I was really smart and ran three hours? It doesn't get me to the trials. So I was all in. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kept me going too because anyone knows that you run a marathon, whether it's good or not, it gets really hard at a certain point. Um, and there was a point where I, you know, the mantras start coming out and I had to talk myself through it. And I, you know, something so silly is just, I just kept saying, lift your legs, lift your legs because my quads were getting so heavy after 20 miles. And luckily I kept doing it and the pace stayed the same. So that was encouraging as, you know, even though I'm tired and I'm hurting really badly, I'm still hitting this pace. And then we finish, we take a right-hand turn and you have three miles basically into a headwind. And you go, oh, but <laughs> it was really fun. You know, I kept battling it out with other women out there and you just kept going. And, you know, I had a lot, like I said, I had the whole team behind me. So it wasn't just me running this race. You know, I said, okay, if you left your two kids at home and you put all these miles in and you came this way, you did not do all this work to miss it by a couple seconds. So you were going to be so mad if you cross that finish line and you have not given everything you possibly have to qualify, you know? And like I said, we go back to that. If you had given everything and I didn't make it, I could live with that. So I was like, okay, put your big girl pants on and you get going. And so I did, it was like, okay. And it motivated me and I just kept going and kept going. And, um, as you come, you know, I can kind of, I'm waiting to see the clock and I, I'm pretty sure I've got it, but you know, that marathon brain, you could have miscalculated somewhere there or like, you know, something happened or, you know, whatever. And I see the clock and I'm like, yes, I can tell it's a 243 on there. And I actually had enough to sprint in. So I was like, okay, like I would have been so mad if I missed it and I could sprint in because I did have energy left. But it was really fun to be like, okay, because I really didn't know if I had it until I crossed that finish line. I, oh, boy, that two that <laughs> 243 looks like a 248. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, well, uh. and I really didn't want it to be like – 244, 51, yeah. 52, you know, where you're like, no, you know, so close. So I was like, yes, oh, I've got this. Nice. Um, and part of it too, so I had roomed with my teammate, Dot McMahon, and I knew that she was going for the win 
and the course record. And while I was out on there, I didn't know what was happening. But around 23, I thought to myself, if she wins this race and you don't get your qualifier, she's not going to feel like she can celebrate and be excited. So I was like, you better get your butt going and get this qualifier <laughs> so you can both be really excited. <laughs> nice. It seems, I mean, you're definitely more excited talking about this than you were like just a minute ago. It seems like it revved you up. It did. You know, it really did rev me up. And it like even the training, I just, I loved the training and I tried I think I'll always be a little nervous before a marathon because it's so it's such a long race and so many things can go wrong. But what I really found out this time is how much I enjoyed the process. And so I kept trying to remind myself of that is that remember you hadn't run a 20 mile long run in almost four years and you got a 20 mile long run and that was really fun to do that again. So I almost felt as if I was a new runner again. It was a new a new challenge and I was I was back and I did even though I've done these things before it had been a long time since I'd done them so I ran a 20 miler again um you know and I had just I put the I put 80 and 90 mile weeks together again and I had not done that in almost four years yeah. so it was fun to be you know at the end of the week tailing up your mileage going yeah that's a nine in front of there yeah uh-huh. you put in the work <laughs> yeah. you know so I did you, it's good that you enjoy the reward rather than being like boy, I used to be so much better at this. Mm -hmm. It is. And it is hard. That's where people get, you do get caught up. And so I think you have to be realistic about where your goals are. And that helped me going, okay, like this is, I know I've run a 232, but I'm not going to be able to get in 232 shape in four months or whatnot. You know, it's not going to happen. So you can be all depressed about that. Or you can say, well, I haven't even run a marathon in almost four years. And there is a chance that if i do a b and c and put the work in that i can put myself in a position to get back there yeah and so you got about 10 weeks to the trials yes right <laughs> sorry sorry <laughs> i mean you got you got four you got five days till christmas yeah, <laughs> yeah which is harder christmas or the trial training <laughs> but you you got about 10 weeks mm-hmm. right are you What's your mindset going into these trials? Did you already achieve your goal? No, I, I, I checked, checked something off. I checked something off on the list, which obviously I had to accomplish qualifying before I could even mm-hmm. make a new goal on that. Um, and in, uh, obviously running a marathon in November and coming back in February is fairly close marathons. Um, it's probably the closest that I've done. Um, but I do think I also have the benefit of, okay, I had a couple of years where I didn't do any marathons. So I'm a little bit more fresh. I had some more downtime than I normally would have had. So uh, physically I'm fresh, mentally I'm fresh, um, and mentally might be even a bigger part of the puzzle than just physically as I'm excited about that training. I'm excited to get back to the trials again. Um, and so I'd like to see I'd like to see if I could get myself into that 238 239 shape again so try to push the envelope a little bit more this time. Um Atlanta looks hilly. So times overall may not be super fast, but I'd like to see if I could get myself into that kind of shape and see what it plays out on race day. So you're sort of in the are you in the middle of your first block or are you ending your first block? Yeah, so we're kind of get I'm kind of getting into it basically how I envisioned it was, okay, I have my, my Indianapolis marathon. I'm going to take some downtime because 
it's a marathon. You got to make sure you recover. And you're and you're 40 now. <laughs> yeah, well, 30, 38. <laughs> so we're not quite there yet, but it is. You got to respect. <laughs> got to respect the recovery. So I took the recovery, and then I've just been building mileage back up, but throwing a little bit of speed in there, but nothing big. And I envision that last 10 weeks is being my big marathon block. So basically, eight weeks of solid mileage with a two week taper. Yep. So throw away the Christmas cookies. So exactly. It's kind of like, well, we have Christmas and then game on, you know, um, nice way to ring in the new year is get that, you know, and same thing, like get that mileage back up and see if I can see, you know, I hit four weeks at 90. Let's see if I can hit six or seven or something. And will you do, will you do it outside? Most of it I will. Um, I love running outside more. I will, you know, it's kind of, I always tell people, whatever, whatever you can get it done, however it is, whether it's inside trails, um, treadmill, whatever helps you get it done. I enjoy running outside a lot more. Um, but with not always being able to run at the perfect times, I will go on the treadmill probably a little bit too. Um, but even, you know, like today I ran outside, I've only had to go on the treadmill once so far. Um, so I'm, I try to I try to get outside as much as I can. And do you do like screw shoes? I have. Yeah, yeah. we did that. We screwed, uh, she, you know, screws into our racing flats and we would do those out in Michigan. Um, I also have, I have yak tracks and the, how is it, do north or whatever those are. So they actually like slip on your shoes too. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I can do that. So you will do like, well, what do you do for your speed workouts? Um, a lot of, so we do, we don't get too short, but 800s mile repeats would be our speed stuff. And will you do those, you'll do those on the track indoors or a treadmill? If there was a track that would be awesome, um, being wintertime, it might not happen. So a lot of times I'll do it on the road. Um, so I've even used the canal path. I'll do, I'll do. So you'll do 800s in the winter on the canal path. Yeah. <laughs> see, that's good. See, that's, I think that's where mm-hmm. you're building guts uh-huh. also, you know, yeah. because that kind of lung burning is different uh-huh. <laughs> like, like you're breathing in eight degree air mm-hmm. into your lungs deep down <laughs> into the bottom of your lungs but that's what makes you tough you know mm-hmm. and that's what you pull out on race day you go yeah. remember when it was 12 degrees out and i was doing mile repeats out yeah. on the erie canal path that's yeah. when you remember my favorite my favorite place to do 800s is the Cobbs hill reservoir yes i've done some workouts there yeah because yeah. you can get you get up there and it's mostly not icy around the reservoir, mm-hmm. and it's just a little bit longer than an 800. Yum. So you can do your 800, and then you get this little extra piece. So you're not stopping and starting mm-hmm. at the same point on the reservoir. So it's <laughs> always like a different little place for you to slow down. And it's a little safe, and it's in the middle of the city, mm-hmm. you know. That so, is a good location. Yeah, I, I like that one because you can still be outside you're not, you know, doing the back and forth, but mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a fun little place. Uh-huh. That um, is a good one. I have done workouts there. It's been a long time. It's been probably three years since I've run fast up at that reservoir. It feels like I... So maybe 2020 I'm, is oh, your year. I'm feeling inspired to get back there. <laughs> I, I legit am. Um, so let's uh, let's wrap up here a little bit we're talking about the trials you're getting excited you got your training block yep. you're gonna go do that that's gonna be great you're gonna run 237 Ooh, and nice. then what and then you know what I would like to get back to some speed um, especially yeah. doing two marathons close together um, I would like to see what I can do again because I was getting some good speed going before I had my second and 
it's been a long time since I really dedicated some races to that 5K, 10K stuff, maybe even a mile in there. But I would love to see if I can get back into the 16s uh, for the 5K, at least 35, if not 34 for the 10K. So I would like to switch gears a little bit and work on that speed again and see if I can get fast. Well, we are in the land of 5Ks. We are, uh-huh. <laughs> so it's kind of like, so I'd like to switch gears. And just like I said, you can get caught up in that marathon after marathon after marathon. And if that's what makes you happy, all the power to you. But yeah. I think to continually keep improving, you need to switch gears a little bit and you need to challenge yourself in different distances. All right, good, good. I'm glad you said that because like I said, you're a pro at this. <laughs> you got the great segues. So um, I've I've endured an, an hour and some minutes of talking about the roads <laughs> and now we're switching gears. So you mentioned trails here and there and we have a big trail scene in Rochester do you run trails? Are you interested in trails? Are they a thing that you do? I'm excited that if I was to go to that in the future, I am in one of the best places I possibly could be for that. And I love I love all the races that we have. I'm not very good at it right now, I would say. I love running on the trails easy. Um, you know, I like the scenery. I go for an easy run. Um, where I mean, in Fairport, New York, it, what it's Trail Town, USA. So mm-hmm. we can hit up a lot. Of, we've got the Crescent Trail there. We've got all that. So... Um, I love them as part of my running. I haven't really competed much on the trails, but we have an incredible trail scene out there, Mm -hmm. um, which I know you're part of, Mornays is a part of. So it's fun. I don't know if it'll be in the next couple of years, but (laughs) I like that as an option for me. I like that you do it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, it's fun. And I know that, you know, I coach people that are really into the trails and I have friends that are really into the trails and I love it. That's what I love about running is, Find your place in running, too. If you like the track, you know, run some track races, and you can do that around here. Yep. If you like the roads, obviously get on the roads. And if you like the trails and the ultras, there's a whole wide world out there of things that you can do. So yep. do what you're passionate about and do what you like. And I think I, maybe I will go there. Um, but like I said, I really I'm, I don't want to get away from the road yet. So oh, I, I, I want to see that speed first. Um, but I think I'll always... I'd like running to be a part of my life and for as long as I can do it. And so I think there will need to be continual challenges that happen on top of that. Um, and it's a great community. The trail racers are great and it's fun. And running is a social activity too. So mm-hmm. there might be some in my future. Yeah, it's it's fun, <laughs> but I get it. If I was as fast as you and I didn't have to spend as much time on the roads, <laughs> I might run the roads. <laughs> but when I run the roads, I got to spend some time out there. Yeah. So. Um, okay, so then the next thing, have you ever run 27 miles? Yes, I have, but, you know, within like a warm-up as part, you know, a little mm. bit of warm-up and a finish, so I've done 27, but that would probably be my farthest run ever. Mm. Um, so I'm always into that, too. I love people that love ultras, you know, because they just talk about it and all the craziness that can happen, and I think, wow, 26.2 miles is pretty far. I'm not it sure, is. you know, I want to get to that finish line as fast as I can, and if you moved it two or three more miles, I, I, I would be so mad. So I don't know if I have the desire yet to go farther than that. You know, I like that. Okay, that's a good cutoff. But I like that there's other things out there. And people are very passionate about the ultras. And I, I enjoy that, the hearing about it. More and more people are going to the trails and the ultras. And so it's getting more and more competitive. And, and there's more access to it now. You know, before, if you wanted to run the trails, maybe you had to travel, you know, 
hours and hours away to get a race like that. Whereas now, I mean, here you could, you can hit up a bunch of trail races just in this location. And then if you're interested that you can travel around the U S and do bigger races too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what I guess the part that is always interesting to me is when, when two people who are runners can share running experiences and never have run the same race together, you know? Mm -hmm. So uh, marathoners, I don't know that marathoners so much love to share their marathon experience. <laughs> it can, so get, it can be good and bad, but I think behind closed doors, it's good to share because you realize yeah. some of the things that probably happened to you have happened to yeah. others also. Yeah. And I think that's why people in ultras love to share so much because they are just interesting stories. We can proselytize a little bit much at times, <laughs> but the idea of like, there is such a crazy world out there. Um, and that's why I felt a need to ask if you've ever run 27 miles, because I'm sure you have, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, you do your warm ups and yep. then and then you do your cool downs and you get at least point eight there. Uh -huh, you know? Yes, it's like so I probably have yeah, maybe even a 28, you know, whoa, whoa, whoa <laughs> slow down. Well, I think I mean, you got anything else? Oh, that that was a lot of fun. We didn't even talk about Geneseo much or how we even got started running, but that we can do that in the after show. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Teaser. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, uh, then let's wrap this up. Thanks a lot, miss. Yeah, thank you very much. All right. Well, there you go. I don't know. We covered a lot of ground. I, I feel like that was 16 years at 90 miles a week. <laughs> that's probably, I don't know, that's probably 70,000 miles or something that we did there. I'm exhausted. I don't know. <laughs> um, all right. Well, so Melissa's here in Rochester running around either with a stroller or on her way to pick up a child. <laughs> um, we will see her um, blazing some local 5Ks. Uh, so that's great, and good luck to her in Atlanta. Um, we now have Ellie and Amelia and Melissa in the trials amongst all the other 200 women that have qualified. Almost 500. 500, yeah. Yes. Crazy. <laughs> So biggest I, field ever. Yeah, I think they're going to be dropping the standards down. Next they year. will. Yes, I am going to guess that they will be dropping the standards. Yeah. Uh, be sure to check out the episode show notes. We'll have some links to some topics like Melissa's favorite push stroller, uh, the Hanson Brooks project, a couple of the cool races she ran, as well as links to uh, Medved and Athletic Brewing. So you can find those all at runninginsideoutpodcast.com slash 092. Um, you'll also find links to the Strava Run Group and the Patreon page. Special thanks to Mort Nace over at Medved for helping out. Um, if you haven't been to Medved in the winter, they're really specialized in the winter running scene. They got all of the best socks, all the best socks. Um, they also have all the new snowshoes. They have a snowshoe running group, and they have really cool trail runs. So get over there and check out Medved and uh, pat Mort on the butt for his recent <laughs> marriage. Um, so, uh, again, thank you all of this month's Patreon sponsors. Um, your continued support helps keep me in this uh, cozy little outfit here. 
Um, and if you look forward to this podcast each week and it inspires and educates or entertains you, consider becoming a supporter. You can find that at runningandsideoutpodcast.com slash 092, just like I said. If you want to share your runs and see the cool routes other listeners are running, join the Strava Run Group on that same page. Keep in mind the number one way you can always support the show is to tell a friend and help them subscribe. And if they don't know how to subscribe, just take their phone and do it because podcasts, you know. Um, one last thing, I'm always interested in your comments and feedback, so drop me a line at chris at runninginsideoutpodcast.com. Let me know your thoughts. Thank you all to listening, subscribing, and telling your friends. Thanks for sharing your stories and getting out there to create more stories. Until next episode, be thankful for what you've been given, be proud of what you've achieved, and let go of what you've lost. See you out there.